0: May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight. O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer, amen. <laughs> Please be seated. It's good to be back. It was a wonderful trip. I've got a few pictures for you, announcements, and I think next week between the services we'll do a little travel log for you if you want to come, but it was just amazing. I want to talk to you this morning about this gospel reading. And the big idea today is Jesus is the answer. He's it. He's the one. Um, in all the big questions of life, really, Jesus is the answer. He's that thing, that person that unites uh, his people. I, I've said before that when, uh, when we go overseas and we go to Africa or Honduras or someplace like that, and we'll go to one of these country churches, country church, you know, you go to a little country church and there's 200 people. Um, Two Sundays ago, we're at um, a church in, in the country, about 400 people, about 100 kids. And I'll say, you know, we don't have a lot in common. I come from a different country. I speak a different language. I have a different history, a different background, a different culture. I said, but you and I have Jesus. And because we have Jesus, you and I have more in common than the person who lives down the street from me who doesn't know Jesus, because that's what's the most important thing, and you and I are brothers and sisters in Christ, and they just light up. They light up because it's true. You know, you can look at all the externals and the background and the whole thing, but if if you've got that in common then you really are brothers and sisters in Christ. And you can be a carbon copy of somebody that lives in your neighborhood. But if you don't have that going for you as a a common link, it doesn't really matter, you know. Jesus is nearing the end of his uh, ministry, and he needs to know if anyone get it. This is where in Jesus Christ Superstar, what's the buzz? Tell me what's happening. You know that song? He's in Caesarea Philippi. It's kind of a crossroads of Jew and Gentile culture. You've got a temple to Caesar. You've got a, uh, the Greek god ba- Pan has got a temple there. You've got Baal worship. You have all these other gods and goddesses there. Um, and today's text is really all about truth. I think of John 14, 6. Jesus says, I am the way, the life, and the truth. No one comes to the Father except me. We live in a postmodern age, and sometimes I think Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has been replaced by diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, it's like, you think about the truth. You know, I always I say, just tell me the truth. I can handle it. I can take it. Tell me the truth about COVID. Tell me the truth about climate change. Tell me the truth about gender. Tell me the truth about whatever the topic is. Tell me the truth. Don't tell me something so that I'll side with your viewpoint. Tell me the truth. And today, we're hearing the truth about who Jesus is. God's word is truth. So Jesus wants to know what people are saying about him. They say, well, some say you're John the Baptist, a holy man willing to die for his faith. Even King Herod thought that Jesus was John the Baptist, raised from the dead. Some say you're Elijah. Prince of Prophets, the greatest of all the Old Testament prophets, the Jews were expecting Elijah to return just before Messiah came. Some believe that Jesus was the forerunner, but not the Messiah, and even today, at a Passover meal in a Jewish home, they set a place for Elijah just in case he shows up. They do. Some say you're Jeremiah, a holy prophet who was expected to return to earth just before Messiah came. He was supposed to bring with him the tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant, and the altar of incense, which he had hidden at Mount Nebo before he died. Some say, one of the prophets. A man of God sent with a message for their time, or a man in whom dwelt the spirit of one of the great prophets. But also what a person says about himself has a great deal to do in discussing identity. This is what Jesus says about himself. He that has seen me has seen the Father. I and my Father are one. And Jesus said to them, Verily I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And in John you have the seven I am statements. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the Son of God. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the true vine. Jesus wants to know now what his disciples think. What do you say? Who do you say that I am? And I mentioned before, I think, when I was, uh, in, when you go to seminary in the Episcopal world, it's a three-year deal, you go to seminary, and when you show up, you're a postulant. And then after two years, you uh, are interviewed by the vestry and your rector, and then they recommend you to the bishop to become a candidate for your third year. Before you get the approval of the bishop, you have to go before the standing committee. And that's the group that's selected by the convention, and they sort of act as an advisor to the bishop. I was ahead of that for a while. And when a candidate, when a, when a seminarian would come, and we all, we always seemed like we all had our question. My question was very simple: Who is Jesus? You've been in seminary for two years; ought to be able to answer that question. And most of them did, and it was fine. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the Living God, and all, the, all the rest of it. But every now and then, you'd get somebody who'd look at me and say, "Just you could see it in their eyes. What does he want me to say? What does he want to hear? What do I need to say to get a thumbs up?" rather than what I really think, you know. And then when that would happen, we'd have somewhat of a conversation. And I do remember when when I thought I was going to go to seminary, I I was thinking about going to seminary, I wrote to my old rector, uh, Chris Epting, who was pastor of the church, rector of the church, when I came to faith in Christ in Coco. And uh, and he he was now the bishop of Iowa. And I wrote him and I said, I said, Chris, I really think God is calling me to go to seminary. I, I think I want to go and be an apostate. And he calls me up and he says, I think you mean postulant. I don't think you mean apostate, one who has departed from the faith. That's not what you want to do. <laughs> but I hadn't been there yet, so what did I know? I didn't know anything. At any anyway, rate. Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus responds with, blessed are you, Peter, for flesh and blood, have not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. My Father in heaven is the one who revealed this to you. Man didn't do it. You didn't do it. God did it. And I think this can be a little troubling for people. Because if the Father is the one who's revealing to people who Jesus Christ is, why doesn't everybody get it? Is he leaving some people out? Is he talking to everybody and trying to inform everyone, but some people just don't receive it? I can tell you that 41 years ago, when I went to um, Crucio in Orlando, I was clueless. I went kicking and screaming. I didn't want to go. But when I left there... I had come to faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was my Lord and my Savior. I had had repented of my sins. I had given my life to him. I was a different person. I remember sort of looking at it like parting the curtain, looking behind the curtain saying, how long has this been going on and why wasn't I informed? You know, okay. Been going on for a while. I was just clueless. So I wonder what part did I play in that? Some? None? I don't know. All I know is that when it was presented to me in a way. The Spirit moved me to, to say, this is true, this is, I, yes, yes. And there are people who are exposed to the truth. They're exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they don't receive it. Maybe you know people like that in your life. You talk to them and talk to them and talk to them. You try to demonstrate it. You, you take an opportunity to try to share your faith with them. Or maybe at one point they, they seemed like they were in the faith and now they've drifted away and there's no talking to them anymore about it. Don't give up. You keep praying, and keep praying, and you pray that that spirit will move them to open their heart to receive what God has for them. But Jesus says to Peter, blessed are you, Peter, for you didn't get this from anybody else, but my Father in heaven has done this for you. Against the prevailing moral relativism today, consider these exclusive claims regarding Christ, all these prophecies. Let's see here. Here we go. He would be born of a virgin, he would be born in Bethlehem. He would be born into the tribe of Judah, that his ministry would begin in Galilee, that he would work miracles, that he would teach parables, that he would enter Jerusalem on a donkey. All of these have an Old Testament reference. That he would be betrayed by a friend, that he would be sold for 30 pieces of silver, that he would be accused by false witnesses, that he would be wounded and bruised, that his hands and feet would be pierced, that he would be crucified with thieves, that his garments would not be torn apart and lots cast for them, that his bones would not be broken, that his side would be pierced, that he would be buried in a rich man's tomb, that he would rise from the dead. Those are 18 prophecies about Jesus that came true, and they were all fulfilled in one man. Somebody did a study and said the probability that eight of those prophecies would be fulfilled in one man in the future, and it was some long number, he said it's like this. Cover the state of Texas one foot deep in silver dollars. Mark one of them somewhere in the state. Blindfold someone and say, go find it. You get one try. The odds that that person blindfolded in the state of Texas would pick that silver dollar up is the same odds that eight of these, not much less 18, would be fulfilled in one man. I think there's pressure to conform to the values of society. You Can't deny that. Even our faith, churches do this as well. We left the Episcopal Church because, I've, as I put it, my way I put it, they, they undermine the two pillars of faith, the authority of Scripture and the uniqueness of Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And the church said, yeah, that's one way, but there's also other ways to get there too. Or the bishops would say, man wrote the Bible, man can rewrite the Bible. Man doesn't get to rewrite the Bible. The Bible is God's inerrant word. The Uniqueness of Christ. John the Baptist disciples came to Jesus and said you know are you the one we've been waiting for or should we wait for another Jesus answered by listing the miracles he had performed the blind see the lame walk the deaf hear the lepers are cleansed the dead are raised no one could fake such miracles as that no religious charlatan could give sight to the blind not even the great Houdini could raise the dead only the mighty son of God could work such stupendous miracles He turned water into wine, he multiplied the loaves and fishes, he walked on water, he opened the eyes of the blind, he made the lame walk, he cast out demons, he stilled a raging storm, he healed an invalid, cleansed ten lepers, raised the dead. Even though he did these things, and they knew that he did these things, um, they still crucified him because he was in their way. But it doesn't, doesn't negate the fact of who he is, And he did what he did because that's what he came to do. Some people, when they think about Jesus, think he was a good man. But that's about it. C.S. Lewis had something to say about that in his book, Mere Christianity. C.S. Lewis considers this very common viewpoint and concludes his chapter, The Shocking Alternative, with these penetrating words. He says, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept him his claim to be God. That is one thing that we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with a man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him or kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. So I wonder if Jesus came to you today and said, who do you say that I am? What? Would you say? Hopefully, you would say you are the answer. the question is these days, and we face a lot of them, Jesus is the answer. Amen.